You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And the Ne'er Shabbos. The question was, I'm not sure how many times he comes up in Shas, but I don't know if he's one of the, I don't think he's one of the major Amaroyim. But he was the one who dealt with this question, which was a halachic question, which opened up the Agarita can. Are you allowed to extinguish a candle, a flame, because of what you believe will be the ill effects of someone who was ill on Shabbos? Now, of course, this seems to be a Mishnah already. The Mishnah says uh, in Shabbos, in Shan Potter, that you are, it's, it's Potter to do this, right? And the Gemara says it's actually Mutter. It's not just Potter Va'oser. So um, the Mepharshim say that this was a question, not that the Chola's room where he is, uh, this is the light in his room, but he needs the sleep in order to be strong. But rather, uh, there's light for the whole family. There's light for everyone. And um, it isn't that this is necessarily stopping his sleep, but you're going to go ahead and and, 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 and extinguish the Ner Shoshabas, uh, effectively eliminating the Shalom bias in the whole house because of this Chola, who I assume as we're going to see at the end of the Gemara, is, is a chola that's in a very difficult situation. Now, a posek normally would you know, tell you what the stodim are. Is it a good question? And here's the way we would ask it. Instead, Rav Tanchum gave a drasha. He gave a drasha about Shlomo and David. And it was only, and I'm just going to jump to the end here, and you can see it's, it takes up eight pages in this in the in the Yaakov. Till we got to the end of the story. And he said that, um, he said, this question that you had, that you had, and that you gave to me to answer, the answer is, seems to be clear. Ner kruya ner. The neshama, how significant the ner of Shabbos is, it's still a ner. And it's important. But the Nisham is also called a Ner. Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam. Mutav Tich Ner Shobosar Vedom. Whatever the significance of our Neros are, it should be extinguished. Mipnei Nero Shabakadish Borcho. Because of the Ner of God, which is the Nishama. So Rashi, at the end of this Gemara, says, it would seem he could have answered very easily that this is Pikuach Nevesh. Really, if he would, ju- if this was a strict halachic answer, Rashi says the question could have been answered immediately, like he did, because it was Pikuach Nevesh, of course. As, as important as Ne'er Shul Shabbos is, it doesn't stand in the way of the possibility of somebody who might become ill or die because of it. So if that's true, why did Rav Tanchum give us this whole story? So Rashi has to say, Rashi says, well, I, I get, Rashi posits this possibility. If he show you boyim l'shmoe es hadrosha, noshim v'ameyoretz, Meaning, the whole build-up to this and all of the things that Rav Tanchum has told us was all a way to keep people interested. Because really, you know, this was the... It, it's so incredible, this Rashi. It's like we're bringing people in for a... Uh, a, a scholar in residence, important medical ethic, medical ethics lecture, but really, what it's about is keeping people entertained. Because if you want to know what the answer is from a pure scholarly halachic 
approach, Rashi says, of course, you would extinguish the flame. However, Rav Tanchum decided, and the, the Gemara is relating, Rav Tanchum's long-winded, but, I don't know if it's long-winded, maybe it's the wrong term to use, but very labyrinth-like, beautiful drasha, because that's what you need to keep people in the seats. I would like to suggest that there was more to it than that. Um, and again, you know, Rashi, of course, is bothered by this question. I, I would like to say that that there is a significance to what Rav Tanachum did. Now, let, let's go back again to the beginning of Rav Tanachum's uh, drash. So he said, I'm going to answer this question. First, I want to know about Shlomo. Ant Shlomo Malka, we know Shlomo, the wisest of all men. On Choch Masocho, on Such your wisdom, where is your great Sechel, or where is it that we can see that you aren't, you know, that the difference between you and others that aren't as, as brilliant? When I look at you, Shlomo, Rav Tanchum says, Lo Dayecho Shedvarecha Sosrim, Divrei David not only are you against David, El Shedvarecha Sosrim says, you're against yourself. David said, meaning death is the end in terms of giving God praise in a proactive way. But you said in Koheles, that you feel the death have the people, the people who have died, they have something very great about them. And then in the same book, Koheles, he wrote, a dead dog. I'm sorry, a live dog. Sorry, Dolly. A live dog is much better than a magnificent lion who lies dead. So, then Rav Tanchum wanted to explain how this is not a contradiction. David and Shlomo really don't disagree with each other. And he goes through a number of answers how, in some ways, those that have already departed, in a way, have a stronger influence, and in some ways are greater than those that are in this world. And he gives a number of examples of the Ovos, who can still um, uh, intercede on our behalf, he talks about Moshe, how his laws and takonos are still binding and everyone is following them. So you see the power of even someone who's left this world. And also the fact that sometimes it takes after a person is alive, after a person has died, for his greatness to be understood. And that was David HaMelech himself, that in his lifetime, he had been vilified and he had been considered a guilty party, uh, an adulterer perhaps, a murderer. And yet it was only after he died and the events that were part of the Midrashic story of how the Beis HaMikdash was was, uh, starting to function that people saw that David HaMelech was indeed greater than he was, and we understood that only after he died. Because up until this point, there was, and that happened because the, 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 the doors of the Beis Hamikdash allowing the Oronin, the symbol of God's presence within us, it only happened because of David, who's called Pnei Meshichecha. Pnei Meshichecha is not Shlomo in this sense. It's David. David is, in a sense, the Mashiach, in a way, because he's anointed. And it's because of David that the Shekhinah came to stay in the time of the, of, of the Bayez Rishon. And as Rav Tanchum points out, that Bayez Rishon, Anyone who is against David, 
realized that they were incorrect. And whatever was bad about David, whatever they thought was negative about David, David had complete mechila from God. And that's why Shomo said he's better, in a sense, when he died. Okay. That is, those were the answers Rabtanchum suggested. Some of them original, some of them from the name of the great Rav, 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 Rav Abba, who's known as Rav. But then the question was, Rav Tanchum came to the second part of his drosha, which is, what did Shlomo mean? What did Shlomo Melech mean when he said that a live dog is better than a dead lion? What did he mean there? Yes, we, we realize that there is an influence from the world of people who have passed from this world. And we realize their greatness and their footprint. We realize about Moshe. We realize about the others. We come to recognize after people die how important they, they were and how we might have gotten them wrong. But what was Shlomo meaning, Rav Tanakhum said, in that very strong statement about the live dog and the dead lion? So here, Rav Tanakhum quoted a tradition that also stemmed back to the great Amora Rav. And here's where I want to start reading everything inside. God, let me know the end of my days. Let me know exactly how long I'm going to live. What did he mean? David said, I'd like to know when I'm going to die. People do not know when their battery expires. People don't know when they will leave the world or they will leave that their bodies will stop functioning. I, I don't let that, even for you, David. And the reason is, as the Mephorshim explained, because if a person knew when he was going to die, it would, in a way, impact how his life would run. If he says, oh, I've got plenty of time to live, I can do tshuva later, we want this to be a mystery. We want this to be a scary mystery. Hmm. Then David said, what about midas yomai mahi? Can you give me the calendar date? No. No. Ain modian midas yom of shalodam. Not going to let you know. Not going to let you know the date either. Rashi says this means, okay, give me the, okay, don't tell me exactly when I'm going to die. Can you tell me how long I'm going to live till? No. But it could be it was just the basic, you know, calendar date of the year. So, no, not going to let you know that either. But he says, okay, let me know something. Let me know mechodelani. Can you at least let me know which day of the week it's going to be? Okay, that David Amelch was going to get an answer for. So he says, I'll tell you the day of the week you're going to die. It's going to be Bishabbat, Tomos. So David starts dealing. David starts handling. He said, let me die on the first day of the week. Rashi says, because this way they can deal with my body. This way there isn't a problem with my body being mukta. There isn't a problem. They could, they could, I, they, I could get a tahara. I can get a hespid. I can get, you know, because if I die, it's not that great to die on Shabbos. You can ask people who never have, have dealt with this situation that it's always problematic. This is a very important statement. Now, even though in some ways Shlomo gets anointed, you know, Shlomo, they make a point of announcing Shlomo uh, while David is still alive, as you can see from the psukim, the beginning of Sefer Malachim, um, there still is this idea that the Malchus of Shlomo doesn't really start until David dies. So even one day, even if it's only a question of a couple of hours of Shabbos, can't happen. Shlomo has to become Melech on Shabbos. Hmm. There's this, there's this, there's this 
internal law of the cosmos that Shlomo must live. Shlomo must be the king. Even a hair's breadth. We're not, there's, there's no extension here. Now, it sounds a little bit like it has to do with the fact that David and Shlomo are bigger than, than just regular human beings. David, by definition, is Melech. Shlomo is by definition Melech. If you give David more life, even though it's only a couple of hours into the next day, that cuts at, that cuts into uh, Shlomo's malchus. Yeah, it's very strange. Again, this idea that therefore we can't have any. No, no, no. You. So he said, almost Barashuk says, you know what? I'm I'm a there. Let me die one day earlier. And at least this way it'll be Arab Shabbos, and they could get me buried. I'm gonna, well, no, <laughs> I'm not going to let you. Remember what you said already. You know. What did you say? You said in Sefer Tehillim that how great it is to be in my chotzer. Now, there's no Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is a mishkan. It's not truly the chotzer of God that you're hanging out in, David. But it's the chotzer of the Beis HaMedrash, Rashi says. You're being osek betorah. And that's better, you know, me'olef. Which means tovli yom echad shat yoshev osik b'torah me elaf olah shas shomah bin chalahakrim v'fanai al gabi amizbeach. There's something about the quality of your Torah, and I know you're going to be doing that. So you're going to be studying Torah. That's your essence. You're a king, but you're a king of Torah, and you studying Torah does more for me, so to speak, than the fact that even what Shlomo did. Shlomo did bring a thousand olos when he became Melech. A thousand korbanos. And of course, it wasn't just here, throw this animal on there. Korbanos means a lot as well. Korbanos, we know, isn't just some sort of primitive uh, mimicking of what used to be the, uh, uh, you know, the, the ancient style of serving of God, like the Rambam says in Moronaguchim. Korbanos, especially when they were um, uh, enacted and overseen by Shlomo Melech, the Chochem it must have, in a way, changed the world, changed the spirituality of the world, but not as much as this man sitting and studying Torah. And therefore, I need you studying Torah. Because if the purpose of the world is for God, and that somehow the world is a better world through what's happening, the world will be better um, because of your studying Torah, more than what your son could do. So I am not taking you away a day earlier. So, according to this, God was giving David a little bit of a message of what could happen. So, kol yoma de Shabbat kuleyoma. All day Shabbos, he studied. And that would mean every Shabbos, every possible Shabbos, from the time he realized that he might die, he did not stop. Of course, he might probably have to go to the bathroom and other things, but there was not one moment when when he could, when he was not studying. Rashi says that the Malach cannot affect you on Shabbos. Because the Torah protects you from death. So this is really part, I want you to remember what I'm saying here. The Torah protects you from death, even though the Malacham Oves is there. Again, the Malacham Oves is the angel of death, but it seems that the Malacham Oves also means that this is when you were destined, when it was inscribed, when your body and everything about you is supposed to lead to death. The Malacham Oves means this is his death time. What is David doing? David is really, in a way, supernaturally fending off death. And how does he do this? Well, God gave him the clue. God told him how crucial Torah learning is, how it's greater than Korbanos. David HaMelech realizes through that little hint that Torah can, in a way, project him to a place beyond 
the physical realities of this world that people die and that people were meant to die. So, it was the day that was boi, that was set. There's a day he was supposed to die. And that seems to be a reality. So the Malach HaMavis, as an agent of God, is doing what happens every single day, which is people die on a day that they're determined they should die. But somehow, David is able to escape. David is able, not, is, to, is able to fend this off. It cannot penetrate. The reason is, he is studying. His mouth is going over. Now, there's a question. What was he studying? Was he studying Kabbalah? Was he studying, was he studying, was he doing Chumash? Girsa would mean seemingly the material that he was studying and in and, 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 and a way uh, going over again, uh, as we say, chewing it up or over and again in order to find uh, principles and ideas. And, and which means he was taking material that he knew and reviewing it to the point that he was fine-tuning it and extracting ideas from it. And he kept on doing that all day. So the Malachim Ovis was stymied. Omar Ma'ovidle. So, Havile Bustana Achurei Beisei. There was a Bustana. Bustana, we know, is a orchard. Is it a grape orchard? Is it an apple orchard? One thing that the Bustana, although it does, right? The, the Bustana has trees that produce fruit. Also, Malachim Ovis. Now, whether this is in the original text or not, I don't know. But Slik would mean the Malcolm Ovis started to climb, go up. And you notice the title of today's class was Rustling. He started, as Rashi says, There was somehow those trees started shaking in a way that it wasn't a, there wasn't a, a, a strong wind that David Amelech sensed. It wasn't like it was a stormy day. It was unnatural, those sounds. Rashi says it was a cold tema. It's the type of thing that really shouldn't be there. Now, Rashi seems to be setting up the fact that it's so weird that it's going to knock David off of his game. Here's where I came in with my question. Up until now, all I've done is translate. Here's where I have a problem. David Amelech realizes that he's in a fight for his life. He realizes that this activity that he's doing is keeping him alive. Does he know the Malachim Mavis is there? Well, he definitely is on a level to sense that what his Torah can do. And he's doing it every day, every other Shabbos. How could David, who was the great fighter, the, the champion against Goliath, the one who fought the Polishtim armies. Yes, it was a younger version of David. But we know that this man, uh, once he was roused from the stupor that, by, by, his, by, by Pacheva and, and, and by Nosan Anovi, that he was no longer a doddering person by the end of his life. He was resolved. And it sounds like David wants to live. And that's why he keeps on studying Torah. Because he, he's hanging on for life. And he's, it's the same person that, that was, that was the, who comes back even after he has been pushed around by the, 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 the terrible parts of life. The person who loses his children loses a, the, the, the love child from Batsheva, loses, um, loses Amnon, loses Avsholom, person who, who loses Michal, he comes back, and he comes back strong. A person who's able to, if not ignore critics, he's able to understand and strengthen himself against them. We are not talking about a wimp here. We're talking about a person who is, in my mind, single-minded, understanding. 
the Gemara says that halacha imoy, that he had the clarity of thinking that his halachos were correct more than his predecessors, more than Shoal was. He was a, a he was a a prime example of proper halachic thinking. That is who David Amelech is. So why is he letting himself, as you're going to see in a minute, go out to discover what's going on? To the point that he's walking, he's leaving the, the hallowed place where he is, some base medrash, some chotzer, as Rashi said, a chotzerecha, it's a chotzer of God because he has surrounded it with his ideas, I don't know if it was, it was full of Sfarim. It was the place where he went to create his Torah, to think in his Torah. Why would he have left it? Because he heard noise? David Amelech has a problem concentrating? And he leaves this spot. Now, as others, including Rebel Yoshev Zatzal, have pointed out that he didn't stop learning, technically. But there's a big difference between learning at your table or learning as you walk out the door and see what's happening with the trees that are outside and you go up a bunch of steps that lead to those trees. As great as your belech could be, you realize that you've probably already sacrificed some of that intensity, some of that clarity by leaving. So why is David leaving? And the Gemara says that not only that, He's, he's, his investigation is leading him to go even to go take a, to go up. Omar says at that point, if the step, whatever it was, then collapsed, and then ishtik, he was no longer able to learn. The words weren't coming out. and then death. Proceed, he proceeded to die because this was the day he was meant to die. So I am wondering again, why Dov, what was David's head there? If David is in a fight for his life to live as long as he can, why does he do something so rash? I am going to suggest before I give an answer to you that many of you have heard this story before and probably said, yeah, you see, everybody can be, you know, you can fool anyone, right? The, the, the Satan is that jokester. He fools people. And, um, you know, he, it's like, hey, what's that over there? What? And then the guy gets punched in the face, right? Or, you know, we all get distracted. And I think some of you are probably saying that, what's Kivilevich want? <laughs> okay, the man can get distracted. I, I, I don't accept that. I don't accept that David in the last moments of his life suffered from ADD. Don't accept it. Um, the Gemara says that um, at that point, Shlomo didn't know what to do because he said, and therefore my father is, is, is I don't, I, he's, he, he has fallen. He's outside. His body is lying in the sun. The second question that he said was that my father's dogs, the dogs of the, of, the, of the royal dogs, are hungry. We need to do something for them. And of course, this is so incredible that we need to know about this question. Of course, the, the drosha only makes sense if there was a question about dogs as well. So they answered a question. The Sanhedrin answered. Shlomo Melech could have sat on the Sanhedrin. But at this point, he turned to the, the people and they said, no, Okay, your question about the dogs? If you had an animal that uh, the animal died, it's not Muktza because you probably had Das on it uh, to cut up for your dogs. The dogs are hungry. It's Even though it's a tough job to cut up this Nevela, cut it up. And let the dogs come and eat. Okay, now the second question. Your dad, the man who was Melech Yisrael, the man who was the great David? Okay, uh, we got a problem on how we're going to carry him. So I guess what we're going to do is um, 
we can, you don't want them to, to, to start rotting in the sun. You're going to put a piece of bread on there or have a child sit on him. And if you want to move the child, you're able to move your father, who is now just like a, a table that the child is sitting on, like a little uh, you know, teeter-totter seat that he can now be moved. And that's how Shlomo could say, for the dogs who were alive, they get the answer first. They get a, 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 a direct heter better than the great lion, my father, who died. Wow. Okay, so I wanted to suggest all on my own that David Amelech is doing this because he senses that there's somebody climbing that tree. Rustling in the tree meant a person in the tree. We know when we talk about the Malach Amoves, the Malachamovis doesn't just mean, uh, you know, like in, in Ingmar Bergman's movies or in Woody Allen's movie that I saw before I saw Ingmar Bergman's movie, um, the, 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 the famous image of the Grim Reaper who's coming, right? The, the Malachamovis takes many forms. The Malachamovis has agents with which to take people's lives. And I wanted to suggest that there was actually maybe even a child who was climbing a tree near David. And David at that point, recognizing this, knew that he needs to perhaps save the life of that child or get him out of the tree because the child could die. And therefore David stopped his learning. He knew he was going into a lesser level. He knew he was taking a risk. But David Amelech understood that for the sake of saving another life, he's going to stop. Not completely, but at least put himself in a situation where he might die for the sake of saving somebody else. Now, the Gemara doesn't say that it was a person there. But yet, to me, this made sense. And this already opens up this, 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 this question about saving someone at the risk of yourself. Are you allowed to do such a thing? Well, this is a big debate, whether you can put yourself into Sakana to save another person's life. The Beis Yosef points out that in the, in the, it doesn't appear in the Bavli, but it is in the Yershalmi. And the Nitziv and others have shown that it really is some places in the Bavli, in the Gemara Nadarim, we know the famous Gemara about uh, the two men who were above a Metziah and the beginning of Ezeu Neshech, uh, the case of Ben Petor and Rabbi Akiva, the two people that are walking in the desert. And over there, of course, uh, there's this principle of Chayecha Kodem. As Rabbi Akiva said, the person who has the jug of water should drink the water even though his companion will die. He shouldn't risk his own death because he's got the water. Is there a reason why that um, this case might be different? Obviously, you're supposed to jump into a, a lake and save somebody who's drowning. That's, and if you don't, it's, it, the Gemara says it's an Isra of Losamor Odam But that might be only if you're a strong swimmer and you're not afraid of the undertow. David Amelech is definitely, the undertow did get him here. So David knew he was risking. I'm going to say it's even, uh, the question will be even stronger. David HaMelech recognized that the Malach HaMoves was being fended off by him. It would seem David HaMelech is more than just taking a risk. Death is right by David. And yet he decides to dismiss that in order to possibly save the person who is climbing there that he's going to try to dissuade. Now, I have to tell you that I, I, I spoke this over with a, an accomplished uh, thinker. And the person said, I love your approach, but it's not in the text at all. And who says anything that's even remotely similar to that? The other question he said was, 
Why couldn't David have screamed out and said, all right, can you please check what's going on at my window? Because I'm in the middle of learning Tyra here. I'm learning being Gyrus here, but I've got guards and I've got people that work for me. Can you please go check over there? One of you strong gendarmes, one of you guys who are part of work in the palace. Can you go check out what's going on? Why does it have to be David Amelech himself? Is he so removed from people that there's nobody around? And that he has to send, he has to do it himself. Why couldn't, uh, why, why, why couldn't he do it? The great uh, um, Avram Yitzhak Cohen Cook says that this is obviously a metaphor. That this whole Gemara really means that David Amelech was learning Torah in a way that he was. As the, as the Gemara says, that the Bustana is somehow connected to the Eitz, the Eitz Hadas, the Eitz of Chochmah. It isn't a physical garden. But what's going on is that David Melech is being teased to even go further and to somehow in this world go into heights of mystical contemplation of things he's never even understood before. But now, on this last day of his life, he's going there. And even though that's the Malacham which can, as we know from the story of the four who went into the Pardes, sometimes exposing yourself to the intensity of a certain type of learning can actually be what brings your death so the whole thing doesn't really mean, according to Rev Cook, that David actually stopped learning. He actually went into a different phase of learning. And Rev Cook points out that he's going up a level. He's really, in a way, piercing one of the, the, the gates of wisdom in order to get there. And that's when the, that level dissipates. So according to the way Rav Cook understands this Gemara, it's not literal, but it, it fits in that this is David really teaching us something about where learning is. And of course, eventually, of course, David, perhaps in the Oyuma Emes, in Gan Eden, was able to uh, reach heights of understanding that he was attempting to get to in this world. Now, I don't deny that Rav Cook might be correct. <laughs> sort of tap dancing there. I want to say that if, if I would be pushed to the wall, I would say, I think Rav Cook is probably right. However, the Chassam Seifer does not understand it that way. Before I get to the Chassam Seifer, though, there was, I, I found that one of the uh, better Sifrei Drush uh, that was written in the mid part of the 20th century uh, was the Sefer Ber Yosef uh, from uh, Rabbi Yosef Salant from a Yerushalmi family and uh, he writes in Parshas Re'eh the following he quotes our Gemara and he mentions Rabbi Yosef Salant does, and he, if you look at the Askamas to his Sefer, the Gedele Yerushalayim, all held that he was a great, great thinker and a tzaddik almost. And he mentions his own father-in-law. He says, the Ein Yaakov of my father-in-law, Rav Tzvi Weiss, he wrote on that Gemara, Nofik Lemechse, my question, Kivalevich's question, why did he leave? So Ravnata Tzvi Weiss wrote, Im Yesh Chilu Shabbos. So it wasn't, like I said, to save another human life, but rather, Shacholach Liros, Im Yesh Chilu Shabbos, He was trying to stop someone from being Machal Shabbos. And as, as his son-in-law writes, my father-in-law was bothered because why would he stop learning? It must be 
that he was learning because he was worried that somebody might be doing an Avera. So according to what Rav Nata Tzvivai says, David was trying to save someone. Turns out that it was no one there. Turns out that it was the Malach HaMavis in the form of someone, perhaps. But what it was, David HaMelech would stop learning Torah, possibly bringing death upon himself, to save someone from doing an Avera of Chilu Shabbos. Now, normally the question is reversed. Are you allowed to do an Avera to save someone's life? Are you allowed to be Machal Shabbos to save someone's life? The question is, the answer is yes. Here, it seems like he is taking risks with his life in order to save someone from an Avera. The way I was learning, he was trying to save another person's life. But the way Ravice is learning, he was trying to save someone from doing an Avera. Would you, would you be halachically correct for you to, to risk your life to stop someone from doing an Avera? It would seem that that would be halachically problematic. Um, the Chassam Sofer, who was writing even uh, 150 years before this, um, actually says something uh, that is uh, quite brilliant. And it takes a while to really understand the brilliance of it. Some sulfur is, is this piece from his, the Chidushim on Masech Shabbos. And it has to do with what day David's death really occurred? Was it Shabbos? We know from the Yerushalmi that it was Shavuos. And that's one of the reasons why we read Sefer Rus. That it was the death of David Amelech. It's not in the Bavli anywhere, but it's in the Yerushalmi. Now, if it was Shavuos, that means that was a day that, the Jew, that it was Shavuos and was it, was it Shabbos and Shavuos together? Or was it only a weekday Shavuos? Um, the Yerushalmi itself seems to think it was a weekday. And the Yerushalmi says that when David died on this Shavuos day, it shocked people to the point that everyone felt they were an Onain. Nobody brought their korbanos that they should have brought that day. We know on, on, on a, a yomtif you're supposed to bring a korban ola and a korban chagiga. The korban chagiga part is, is, is a shlamim and it's eaten by the individuals. Uh, a korban ola is not eaten by those individuals. This was a great debate between Shammai and Hillel whether uh, you could bring the korban ola on, on yomtif. The Gemara says that people did not bring their korbanos when David had died. And therefore, Yerushalmi says that they brought it after Shavuos. And that's the proof that you're allowed to bring korbanos after Shavuos. That's one of the reasons why you don't say Tachnun for the days after. That is the reason why you don't say Tachnun for many days after Shavuos. Because in the time of the Besamikdash, you were able to bring your korban that the Yomtev demanded. It's called Hashloma of the korban. Now, some server points out that the Yerushalmi has another proof that this was that you were allowed to bring uh, a carbon after Shavuos. And that's because after the Torah writes about Shavuos, it's, and it's a Mikra Kodesh, it's a very special day, it says, If you look in Parshas Emor, like it does in many places. After the Torah speaks about the great three holidays, the three ragolim, it mentions the idea of leaving Peah. The Yerushalmi is, 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 is it's actually in the Bavli, I'm sorry, that it must be, the, the Bavli and Chagiga, that the Torah is telling you that Shavuos is a day when you were able to um, harvest. You're able to cut the wheat or cut the grain in your field. Hmm. 
So today you could cut the grain in your field? You're not supposed to cut grain in your field on Yontif. The Gemara in the Bible says, Ksir Yontif Mishari. It must be that in some way, the days after Shavuos have a residue of Shavuos in it. In a way, it's called Mikra Kodesh because there's a whole line of people bringing Korbonos didn't get a chance on that day. There's you know, maybe a million people that want to bring Korbonos in the days after Shavuos. So in a way, it's called like a Mikra Kodesh, but it's a day that people are doing. And that's why the Torah needs to say, when you're doing your Ketzira, you're doing your Ketzira, leave over Peah. So you see, the Gemara says, that Shavuos has days that are sort of like ancillary to Shavuos where you do Ketzira. Hmm. But that's predicated on the fact that you're not going to do Ketzira on Shavuos itself. Because maybe that's what the Torah is talking about. So it turns out that there was an issue. The issue involved is we know Ochel Nefesh is a very important uh, principle. Is it wide enough to include harvesting? Or is it only once the material is harvested that you can work on it? Once it's disconnected from the ground, then you can do whatever it takes to create a Yontif meal for yourself. But are you allowed to actually harvest the material originally? The Gemara seems to say, the Gemara is assuming no. And because of that, if a Pusik is speaking about harvesting, it must be post-Yontif, not on Yontif itself. That is what the, the Gemara tells us in Chagigah. So the Chassam Sofer wants to say that idea about whether Ochel Nefesh includes Ketzira was an issue that they were arguing about in the time of David HaMelech. And that's what he says, Lo lechinam hifsik David HaMelech milimudo al yidei adibachash bi'ilano. You think David would stop learning in the same intensity because he heard noise? And why would he not send his own guards? David was big machadesh something. He came to him this last day of his life that you are allowed, that you're not allowed, Ochel Nefesh does not allow you to be kotzer. Once you have the material disconnected, you can make bread, you can grind it, you do what it takes. But you can't go so far to be concert. And he and he knew he was right. In that room, fighting off the Malachamovis, he knew he was right, and he was being machadish that Allah, some sofer says. But then he saw people work whoever it was was rustling in the in those trees. Why were they rustling in those trees? Because they were doing coats there. They were getting stuff from the trees because people, at the, up until this point, people thought, it's Ochel Nefesh, you're allowed to pick fruit from trees. So that's why David Amelch was the only one who could go out and do that. If David would have sent others, they would have they said, what do you mean others? You're allowed to do this. What are you trying to stop me for? But David, as the machadesh of this halacha, that becomes our psak halacha, David was machadesh that. And therefore, David goes out to stop people from being machalo yantif. And he's taking his life in his hands for that reason. And what's incredible, of course, is that David HaMelech dies for this purpose. He dies, really, in a way, as a symbol of what this halacha means, which is, as my friend Duby Weiss points out, <laughs> when I told him this, it's like David dies and he's nitlash from this world. Right? David himself, in a way, leaves the world with a halacha that is similar to what's happening actually, which is David is now being nitlash, going to a different level. But the point being is that David dies a hero. But what can we assume from this halachically? So I want to suggest, and, and this again, I, I, I give credit to Duvi for talking this over with me. 
is that when a Malachamovis is ready to take you, and this you see from the Rashbash, the son of Rav Tzemach Duran, who says that every one of us has a time. When people come into a, a triage situation, as Rav Herschel Schechter says, when you can have a, uh, two people, and you have people there who are, um, of one is an older person, who you think might live four or five years. Another is a young person. But now the COVID is, the, the COVID is with both of them. And the ventilator, if you don't have enough ventilators, what are you supposed to do? So Rav Schechter says, you cannot say that if, you, if the doctors really believe that the ventilators will work for both, you can't say that we're going to give it to the younger person because the younger person is going to live longer and do more. You can't do that. Um, because we don't know the quality of life. Now, Rav Schechter says, if the person if you have a person who, who comes to the hospital and the doctors are not sure whether the ventilator can save him, their x-rays indicate or their tests indicate that the disease has, has, has progressed to a point that we don't know. And that person is, in terms of statistics, at a very low, a much lower percentage than the other person. Then Rav Schechter says it's a difference between a Suffolk and a Vada. So there, the, the percentages with the other person are so much of a stronger percentage, you, despite the fact that the older person arrives first in the hospital, you realize you're getting other people that are coming, and you do not have to attach that person to that ventilator. Despite the fact that he's here and his family's here and is demanding that. Because from what you've adduced, his, his, his prospects of living are in doubt. Rav Schechter goes even further based on the famous Psaka of Rav Moshe Feinstein that was uh, seconded by Rav Zalman and Goldberg and others that when the quality of life, when the, 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 not the quality of life, when the amount that the person could live is what's called Chayesha, which Rav Moshe explains is a year or less, then, despite the fact that the person came first and he's there in the hospital first, you are doche chaye for chaye olam. Five years is already chaye olam. But if it's less than a year of life, and that is called chaye And therefore, the life of the other person, even though he shows up second, is... Uh, would be paramount. In fact, Rav Schechter goes to the point to say that let's say the ventilator is already connected to someone who will probably, oh, even after the this is over, he's probably not going to live a year or a year or less. Rav Schechter said that although you can't detach the ventilator from him, but if it stops and some issue arises where he's not breathing, or at least the, the, the ventilator, some uh, electricity breaks off in the ventilator, the ventilator stops, and or it becomes detached. Rav Schechter says that, the, that with, even without the family's consent, the doctor has a right to impose a DNR, on, a do not resuscitate, on that other person, the Chaye Shah person. Because... At this point, you have other people coming in who could have chaye olam. You aren't, you, you aren't, obviously, you will do whatever it takes to save someone, even though on Shabbos and Bimachal, even though his, his, his chances of living or the amount he'll live is called chaye shah, but not, it doesn't trump chaye olam. So Rabduvi felt, and I agree with him, that this is somewhat similar. David HaMelech, in a way, has pushed off death. But he isn't necessarily a person who is 
living and fighting for life. What he has done, in a way, it's almost the opposite of Chayesha. He is living in a different world, a world where in terms of, as the Rashbash says, in terms of the internal makeup of what God's plan was, of, of, of David's body and, and connection in, to, in his physical world, he should die because this is the day he's meant to die. David, in a way, yes, he's alive. But that style of life that he has is not strong enough to be docha, the life of another person. Another child that he believes is climbing the tree, that's, that's the life of, of, of real life. David knows that he's in an artificial situation. He knows the Torah that's keeping him alive is artificially keeping him alive because it's projecting him to a place where, Torah, where, where life and death don't even matter. He's entered almost a world beyond the, the, the given the, the effects of life and death. And because of that, although you want to stay in that world, and, he could, and staying in that world incredibly would leave him as a person who could still be and be here, but in terms of what type of life it is, when it's affecting someone else, and even to the point, I want to say, once this is true, to stopping someone from being Machal Shabbos. If it's like Rabbi said, you want to stop some Machal Shabbos, he's doing an act that, that, that brings the death sentence on him, Bishogeg or Bemezid. But therefore, this, this hold on life is not strong enough for you to grab onto it and say, look, I've got to live no matter what. It's similar in a way, it's like a Chaye Shah. <laughs> because it's, the Malachamavis is here. If the Malachamavis is here, that means that, yes, he's pushing it out. It's similar, I believe, in Yeridea, when it speaks about how to deal with someone who seems to be close to death. So you aren't allowed to move the body in any way that pushes the person towards death. However, the Ramah says that if there's something that's stopping him from dying, for example, there's some sort of noise that is creating a noise like a wood chopper. And as long as that wood chopper is chopping somehow in ways we don't understand, that heart is still beating. And because of that, the man is still alive and alive possibly with pain. You have a right to stop that wood chopper because he says that's not called an action. You're stopping the thing that's keeping him that's stopping death from happening. In other words, death is really occurring, but there's something that's stopping that death. And it's external to the person. It's the sound of the wood chopper. You are allowed to stop that. Rav Zalman explains this. And he says that, for example, if it's a question of not giving him food, you wouldn't have to allow the ill person to have food. Because when nutrition comes into the person's body, he's able to live. However, when it comes to the hammer that's somehow keeping him alive, no one can tell you that the hammer is giving life. What is the hammer doing? The hammer is stopping death. There's a power the hammer has, Rav Zalman says, to stop death from occurring. But therefore, stopping the hammer is not called a gram of ritzicha. It's not called indirect killing. You're being meser the davra ma'akev. So here, as much as we say Torah is so crucial to the, to, to the world, but the Torah is not keeping his body alive. The Torah is, 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 is allowing his soul so much power that the body isn't 
is isn't 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 going to die, or it can still technically be technically still have animation. And therefore, based on on, on what Rizal Menachem is saying, I would like to say that David Amelech, the posek for himself, says, "I am going to risk. Yes, I'm still learning. I'm going to maybe save a life." But even if by doing this, I'm stopping the intensity of Torah, and I know I'm in a spot where the Torah might stop, the worst that that is for himself is stopping the, the, the thing that is stopping death from already happening. But it's not actually killing him. And since it's not actually killing him, therefore, halachically, David could take that risk. And halachically, the life of whatever child, whoever is in that tree, if, the, if you learn the way I'm learning, and maybe even like the Chassam Sofer and Rav Weiss was learning, the, 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 this, the, the fact that a person might be doing an Avera is less important than that. And therefore, David Amelech's death story, as I said, really brings life. As I said, it that King David might be dead. But because of that, we now can say, long live in the ICU. And we can now be Macabal with a greater understanding. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.